What up, peeps? Welcome into Unscripted and Unprepared, brought to you by Real Screen Magazine. I'm Jimmy Fox, and this episode is my sit-down with Adam DeVello, the creator of The Hills, the creator of Music City, and the creator of the Netflix hit Selling Sunset. This was a blast. I only had met Adam briefly many, many years ago. Uh, we'll get into that right away at the top of this interview. So it was great to get some quality time with a man that I have respected for many, many years. God, what credits, what a career history, starting in-house at MTV, being part of the casting process for Laguna Beach before going on to create The Hills, executive produce and create The City. We took a trip down memory lane talking about what I think is one of the greatest reality casts in the history of television. And we talked about Music City. We talked about Selling Sunset and everything Adam's up to these days. This is my sit down with Adam DeVello. I hope you enjoy it. This is going to be fun for me because I know all the shows, but I don't know you, Adam DeVello. You're you're an international man of mystery to me. <laughs> I don't expect you to remember this. Maybe you remember this. Do you remember a dinner at Soho House by chance? I do. I remember this dinner. The, okay. The, the, I remember what it was. I remember what it was for, but I don't remember much about it. This was a big moment for me because I was still like Ben's junior guy. This is like I want to say '09. Yeah. And I want to say we were celebrating something having to do with Nancy Dubuque. Yes. Yes, I think she's just taken over history, right? Right? Yeah. Or at that point, was it just history? Or was it more than I can't? It was the whole. Was it the whole A and E thing at that point? Or was it, it just was history? All of A and E. No, it was a long time ago, and we were at Soho House. I have no idea. Right. And we were we were definitely celebrating. I remember when you walked in the room, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's Adam Develop." <laughs> you know, just me as like junior awesome. development guy. I was like, "This is the man." And now I'm having an adult conversation with you, which is nice. I want to know all about you because I just know what everybody else knows, which are the credits. I want to start with where did you grow up? Are you an East Coast guy or did you grow up in the OC? Yes, I grew up in, in outside of Philadelphia in South Jersey. Got it. So it's just about in, not even 15 minutes outside of Philly. And what did your parents do? They were um, – my, my father was always in the restaurant business, so we've always been in some sort of a food business. My Me- mom was kind of a stay-at-home mom. Are you the only one that works in the business? I am. Yeah. Got it. So are you like that Hollywood snob now in, in the family? <laughs> Do your brothers give you a lot of shit? Uh, no, you know what? I think they're really proud. I think they've, they've watched all. I have nine nieces and nephews um, that are all pretty much teenagers or older now. Um, so you're the cool uncle. So they like my shows. Yeah, they'll watch, <laughs> thankfully. And, they, and, the, and now that I went on Netflix, especially, that's, they've all seen it. You know, I think when, once you – Netflix is just that generation. You know, so it's like, you know, we can have shows on any other cable network, and they may or may not see them, but – this thing on Netflix, I'd never had all, every single niece and nephew watched the entire series twice, you know, and, and they've all reached out. So it's, it was exciting. It's good. You, I think every producer probably has the same experience around the holidays where you go back to the big family gatherings. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, so what are you working on? You got any shows coming out? Yeah. And it's like, unless you have something on Netflix, it's like they may or may not ever see it. Yeah. That's what, it, that's what at least what it feels like. Yeah. It's nice. I always send them trailers first and I'll send the kids stuff so they could see it before anybody else. And they always, they'll, and it's, it's really cute too, because with social media, which we didn't have when the Hills was on, um, like they'll Facebook friend or like Instagram, they'll, they'll follow the characters on the mm. show. And so my cast will see that it's like one of my relatives. You know what I mean, so they'll start talking to them. My nephew will be like, Oh my God, like Chriselle from selling sunset, like wrote back to me or, you know, Rachel from music city is my favorite person. And so it's, it's uh, interesting now because you can have that relationship with the, 
the cast. I think it actually makes for a much more loyal fan base in the social media era, right? Because you feel like you really know these people. I think so, yeah. Like, you're just following along. Like, look, we didn't have that back in the day. I mean, we had Us Weekly. Was our, that, was our, that was our Instagram. I mean, we, like, literally, if we were on the shelf that, that week at the supermarket, that cover, we're like, gold. We did it. You know, right. it's like, and, and thank God, knock on wood, I mean, we made a lot of covers of Us Weekly. <laughs> and, and it was funny because those were the things that kept us alive between seasons. Because the, the the cast always had things going on, you know, whether it was like Heidi thought she might be pregnant or, you know, Lauren and her weren't speaking again or something happened. And, and f- people, executives especially, would always be like, this is this is going to ruin the show because this is all happening off camera. Like, we're not getting any of this on camera. But I was always of the mindset of like, no, it's keeping the show alive between seasons. And they're still going to have lives going on when we start back again. So we'll, you know, we'll always have stuff to tell. So it's a... Uh, it's interesting now that with social media and you follow people along. Like I just saw the other day on, on Instagram that Lauren Conrad is pregnant again. Mm. You know, she put a photo of herself with a baby bump, and that's... Oh, wow, I didn't see that. That's great. Like, you would have never, you know, unless she books the cover of people with it, you know, you really wouldn't know that. So it's a, it's a it's interesting. I'll get into the hills in a second, but I want to I keep going through your story. So what was it about TV? Was it at a young age you were inspired by some shows that really made you want to work in entertainment or did it find you later in college or beyond? You know, I think ever since I was like a little kid, like you were, I, you were admiring my TV guides here on the table yes. when, when you walked in, we're recording this in my office and you were, you were thumbing through some of these. You see the moonlighting one here. Yes. Uh, you were looking Classics. at some, some of the Remington you, steel Remi- I mean, mash. I can, I can go off about Paris Brosnan. You growing were here, pains, growing pains here. Um, so were you a TV junkie like the rest yes. of us? Yes, absolutely. A TV junkie. I remember when, you know, my parents said that when I was a baby, I would sit in this in a in a uh, what do they call them? Not a stroller, but what's the like a playpen? They yeah. used to put babies in, and, I, and they said that I would I would stop whatever I was doing when the commercials came on because I was like obsessed with commercials. And they're like, you could be having a tantrum, you could do whatever you were doing, and then the minute a commercial would come on TV, you would stop and watch all the commercials. So I always knew that I wanted to work in television. I originally went to school for advertising because I did want to make commercials, and that's like was my obsession. I was like obsessed with doing that. And and it was only I think I was about two semesters in and I was like this is not for me. It just wasn't, you know, the the very few people get to go off and make television commercials. A lot of them are doing print. And, Where was you know. school? What, what um, I started at a school in New Jersey. Um, it was like a, just a state school in New Jersey uh-huh. that I started at. And um, I wanted to – and so I switched. And I was like, screw it. I want to go work in television. I don't want to do this anymore. So I took a couple years off, and I moved to Laguna Beach with friends. Really? And literally was just like tried to learn to surf, and I was like bartending, and I was like – just literally living in Laguna Beach. I had took, no I idea. Took time off. I was like, Mom and Dad, I'm just going to take a little time off from school. I don't know what I want to do yet. Friends of mine had moved out there, and they had an open a bedroom in one of their apartments. And I was like, that's it. I'm not. I went out for a visit, and I just didn't go back. So I stayed in Laguna for almost like about a year. I lived there, about a year and a half. And then <clears throat> I had like a little family emergency situation, so I had to fly back one day for that. And while I was there, my mom and dad were like, you have to finish college. Like, it's been long enough now. Like, you just have to, like, pick something and finish mm-hmm. it. And so I said, all right, I'll, I'll go to school for television and film. So we found a great college outside of New York. Um, can't even. I'm, like, literally trying to name <laughs> the college. Jimmy, it was this bad. And I'm not saying this for any disrespect to the college because it was a great college. And they had just built this communications campus. And it was, like, this $18 million. It had TV studios and it had television cameras and it had, like, state-of-the-art everything. But – 
the only reason I picked it is because you could see Manhattan from the campus. Like we were walking around the campus and you saw the skyline right there. And I got an apartment in the city. And so I commuted from New York into New Jersey to go to classes and then back into the city every day after class. And then I got an internship in in the city at ABC. So I was never even at that college. Like I literally just went for the classes and I had, and my, I was so determined to finish college so quickly that I just blasted, like I took as many courses as you possibly could in a semester and I did it two semesters and two summers. And so I finished the entire thing in two years. Oh, wow. So I blasted through, like literally just blasted. And a lot I, of... I wasn't going to like frat parties and doing anything. I was just like literally working and going to school for no, two. No frat parties, but out of fairness, plenty of late nights in the city. Well, yeah, that's just it. <laughs> Kids next to me were like, do you want to come to our party tonight? I'm like, yeah, I'm going out to like Indochine or something. And the city right. said like, I've got plans. You know, I'm going back to New York. So, um, yeah, fortunately, man, I just had a rent control department in the city. It worked out great. And then I had... Um, and I was an intern at – I got an internship at ABC. What right, department? Like on 60th and Columbus Park, I guess this, um, Columbus Circle. I was working – it's funny because when you go for an internship at ABC, you go into like a, a gigantic cafeteria full of hundreds of people that have gotten cho- – that were chosen to be a part of this. And you interview with every single different show they produce in New York. So it was like 60 Minutes and there's – and, you know, there's Regis and Kathy Lee at the time and there's like – the you know the some Barbara Walters show so you just meet with all these different producers from different shows and I remember I met with Regis and Kathy Lee I met with one of the producers from there and then they had me go meet with Michael Gelman and because he was like the one that was choosing them I guess whatever and the woman said to me like what do you want to be when you grow up and I was like I'm going to be him who's Michael Gelman for the young listeners that don't know he is the executive producer of Regis and Kathy Lee now Kelly and Ryan but he was still there he was always on camera always on camera still there like has an office in the middle of the bullpen like doesn't like sits with everybody and he just to me I remember growing up watching the show and I thought oh my god what a great job like to be a producer of a TV show it's it's like a dream you know so I said that's who I want to be him and I think the producers got a kick out of it And, and he did as well I got picked for that internship, which was great. I think there was 1,800 applicants, and they picked six interns. So wow. I was six out of 1,800. So it was, like, pretty insane. And then, and I did it for two terms, I guess they call it. I forget how they broke it down. But I did it for twice. One, The first round, I was his intern. And then the second time I did it, I was Regis's. So it was kind of perfect. I got to just learn everything. And back then, the interns were actually pre- interviewing the celebrities that were going to come on the show which now that i think about it i'm like the fact that they had interns speaking to sylvester stallone was kind of crazy and like i was talking to arnold schwarzenegger and you're talking like cindy crawford and you're like literally on the phone with them and then you're writing the questions down all the information to the and giving it to the producers and then the producers are coming up with the questions for regis and kathy lee to ask them and then we would take their cards to like their houses at night so that they had the the information for the next day so it was kind of it was a fun i was driving regis's jaguar around the city a lot it was I, fun i was just about to ask how was regis filming to the interns he was he was great i mean he was he was great I and mean, he was definitely like a hard ass like he was definitely was he was no bull it's no bullshit yeah he's he's legit like just get the hell out of my office and he just was yeah he's he was kind of like crotchety in that sense but he was i mean he was great and he was and he was supportive and and um why were you driving the Jaguar? The whole experience the... was great. Just doing errands, man. I was, like, picking up dry cleaning. I was doing whatever he wanted to do. He had, like, one of those old-school Jags that was, like, hunter green with, like, the yeah. sheepskin covers and the seats and stuff. It was pretty funny. But it was a great learning experience. Kathy Lee was the sweetest person in the world. She just knew everybody's name. And, yeah, that was super fun. And then they hired me on after that. I got a job after I finished college. And I was, like, a producer there, like, just an uh, AP, I think. I'm, yeah. I, was a, I was never a full producer. But I was doing, like, specials. So they did, like, a mother, mom's dream come true special or, like, a, you know, whatever the next special was. That was my job with them for a long time. And then 
Then a friend of mine at MTV said that there was like an opening in the videotape library, like uh, like which, a logger. Like a, they literally had a library in the basement of 1515 Broadway, and people would go down there with their slips and take out music videos to go upstairs and edit them into packages. So this is back when videos were like on betas and they were these gigantic cases and you had to climb shelves to get like a Madonna video down. And so I, t- I, I went and applied for that and got that job because that was like a dream come true to work for MTV. It was crazy. So they hired you there and they said you can only be there for six months. Mm. They said if you don't find a job upstairs within mm. six months, you shouldn't be here. So mm. I found a job upstairs. And then I went and worked with Tony DeSanto what was the job with Tony? Was that being one of the development he, execs? I ended up being his, his, his assistant at the time. It was my first job wow, up I didn't there. Know that. Yeah, I did it because I, well, I applied to work at the beach house because they were doing the beach house in Malibu. And that was my, I was like, all right, now I want to go back to California. And so I put my resume in to work at the beach house in Malibu, dying to work there. I gave it to his assistant, Rob Foreman, at the time. And so then they called me up and they said, you know, we saw your resume. We'd like you to come in and meet with Tony to be an assistant, to be his assistant. And I said, I didn't want to be an assistant A. And then B, I was like, I want to go live in California. So I was like, neither of those are appealing to me. Is Tony running the department at the time? Yeah, he was the head of production. We had our own production department within. Right. They produced everything in-house. So he was overseeing all of that. And anybody that came up during that time at MTV, it was such a special time. I mean, it was like going to get your master's degree. You know, we were, we were, we had beach houses. So, like, at the beach house in Seaside Heights or whatever, we can go pilot a show because we had a stage and we had like Carson Daly and we had cameras. To so me, we're like, that's some of my fondest. I love classic MTV. Yeah. I love classic great. MTV. Even and, the old stuff, like remote control, like the way back oh, stuff. Oh, those were great. Yeah. But that era we're talking about, is this, what is this, early, early 2000s? This was, or late um, 90s. What I was, was like 97, 98, okay. I think it was. So, so it was late like, 90s. Yeah. I mean, I loved the fact that MTV would just plant themselves somewhere for an entire summer yeah. or spring break was like a thing. Yeah. And all the shows that were already on the network would just magically now take place at a beach in house Cancun. or yeah. in Cancun. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if it was singled out or if it was Yo! MTV Raps yeah. or if it was like whatever, any format you guys had on the air, you guys would just now do it from the same stage in Daytona. Yeah. You know, and it was awesome as a viewer. And when those days were over, I was like, God, that was a whole era that is never going to be duplicated no, again. No, no. And I think a bunch of us that had worked it there at that time always look back at it, how lucky we were. I mean, because it'll just never be again. It, that, yeah. that can never happen again. And we had, you know, like it, TRL had launched at the time and we had like Hanson coming in and like the streets would have 50 million people downstairs screaming. And like then Britney came Hanson. along and then the Backstreet Boys and then Sync, And it was like. It's just that time. Who had the worst entourage? Did they? I don't know. No, who do you you remember in those spring break summer house days? Who do you remember having the most annoying entourage? You know what? I wasn't dealing with the entourages, to be honest with you. So I really don't know. I heard a lot of rumors about J-Lo having a lot of people with her. Interesting. Um, But understandably, if she's going to come to Cancun or Key West, she should have her makeup squad with her. Everybody from the Bronx should Um, come with her, yeah. So while I was there as a development executive, I did Room Raiders, which yeah. went on for a long time. I yeah. did um, – God, I did – we did a lot of shows that went on for a long time. Date I, My Mom. I can't remember all of them right now. I mean, we developed TRL while we were there. Next? We any, of those, any of those dating shows? Made. Made? Show Made. Oh, of course. Girl was Made Over? Yeah, we had a lot of – we did a lot of shows. So, so by the time Liz came along, it was like kind of – you know, Brian Graydon was there. And it was like, okay, what's the next show? He was like, bring us something that's not mm. – that hasn't been done before. He's like, I don't want anything derivative of anything else. And that's where Laguna Beach came out of. I mean, that's where the idea came out of. So 2003, okay. the OC launches yes. on Fox. Yeah. In 2004, Laguna Beach 
colon, the real OC, yeah. launches on MTV. Yeah. Was Laguna Beach already in the works and then the OC was just a happy accident that only helped get that show through? Or was it, hey, this this is working on Fox. We should do the reality version of this. No, you know how it started was the idea was let's do a reality 90210. So the idea really? was to do a Beverly Hills 90210. So I flew out. I raised my hand in that meeting and I was like, I'll go do it. Because I wanted to again go to California. Go back to California. So I was like, this is going to get me to L.A. So I flew to California and met with the principal of Beverly Hills High School. Did met with every high school in California oh. in this L.A. area because we were looking to do a Beverly Hills 90210. Oh, wow. But if you go to Beverly Hills High School, it's very different than what you saw on the TV show Beverly Hills 90210. So we like about faced it. And I was like, this isn't going to work. And then at the time, the O.C. was out. So we said, well, look, why don't we go do the O.C. instead of Beverly mm-hmm. Hills? And let's go see what's down there. And so and I lived in Laguna Beach. So it was right. perfect for me because I already knew the whole town. And, and didn't Liz have a connection to? She's from Palos Verdes. Palos Verdes. Yeah. Okay. But I remember Laguna Beach being gorgeous. I knew on camera it would read as beautiful. We went and met with the high school about 10 different times until we finally, they finally approved us shooting there. We had to just go to all the board meetings, you know, every month that they had one. But we we never gave up. And, and I remember because you could see the from their lockers, you could see the ocean. So I was like, this is going to be an insane show to shoot. This, uh, this location is going to be crazy. And what did you explain the show to be to the kids and to the parents? Like, what, what to was the, the parents p- mostly because the kids were all minors. So we had to get the parents on board first. But right. we, you know, we, kind of, we just explained that we wanted to make a drama out of their kids' lives. You know, we said we're going to follow them around with cameras. We're going to shoot it in a way it's going to look like a scripted series. We didn't want to have interview bites. You know, and right. we just really are going to like mm. over-dramatize what they're going through and the high school experience. And really the idea was like, what is it like in your last year of high school before you leave to go away to college? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we wanted to document that, you know, and then saying goodbye to your friends and having your last prom and having your last dance and like, you know, all those moments that everybody remembers. And, and the parents were very skeptical because they're like, our kids do nothing but lay around on sofas and like watch television after school. So they're like, I don't think you're going to have enough to make a TV show. Yeah. But we kind of said, just trust us. And, you know, let us do what we do. So. But did you say we're going to take what's really going on and heighten it yeah. and dramatize it? Of course, yeah. So that was kind of, okay, that was we part We explained of- to the cast, like, you're going to, when you see the final product, you're going to be like, holy shit. Like, my life is much more exciting than it actually is because we're going to put a song with it and we're going to cut it and we're going to linger Dude, in your face for a long I'm, time. I'm glad you brought up the song because yeah. I got to tell you, I remember, I remember being right out of college in my first crappy apartment in Silver Lake, <laughs> watching the Laguna Beach finale for some reason, yep. and crying in that last limo scene car ride when they're singing goodbye to you, yeah, and it's like low and LC like singing to each other, yeah. I don't know. I, I think I'm just an easy target, and I cry yeah. all the time now. <laughs> now as a dad, I cry four times as much. Yeah, but this so is like funny. single Jimmy in his 20s crying to the freaking Laguna Beach finale. That's so funny. As they sing goodbye to you on like grad night or whatever, yeah. You guys, every show, there's an alchemy to it, right? Mm-hmm. The photography, the casting, the editing, the music choices, and everything from Laguna Beach all the way through the hills was impeccable. And the chemistry of all those elements was perfect. I mean, it's it really awesome. was a master Thank class. You. Well, it, re- it really it was. was. A and team of people, incredibly talented group of how, So when you went to go recruit people that could give you the scripted look, Mm-hmm. Were you just finding DPs that had done a bunch of broadcast scripted shows at that point and saying, hey, apply apply the photography model to the look and we'll we'll produce it like a reality show behind the scenes? Yeah, I think that the I, you know the, the showrunner we had hired to do Laguna Beach at the time, because I was still an executive. Yeah. I was like a um, 
forget my title, but I was executive at the time. And I think, you know, we had brought on someone that was very familiar with features and, and the film world. And I think that's where we got a lot of like the cameras and the look from, um, and, and, the the, that, and the lighting, the lighting. And I think everyone involved had work on, worked on a feature at some point in their lives and, and, and didn't, wasn't necessarily from the scripted, from the reality world, including the editors. Um, and, and it was great. I think they, I think they were really surprised with what we got and what they were working with. And it was fun because that show is, you know, part, it's a reality show. So you're capturing the story in the field, but you're also creating the story in the edit, um, just mm-hmm. by the choice of a song or, how long you stay on a look, you can I, kind of do whatever you want. So I always say, I always say the Vanderpump rules is like maybe the greatest reality cast, like, you know, in history because they all had preexisting relationships and they really were friends. Like uh-huh. unlike housewives shows and things like that, where they kind of put the best characters together. Yeah. But you go back to Laguna beach and the Hills. And until I'd set this time to talk to you, I was reminded of just what a freaking organic all-star cast Lightning yeah. in a bottle. Yes. This cast was. Yeah. I mean, when you look back and you think that if you had been going to high school at that time, you would have been going to high school with Kristen Cavallari and and Lauren Conrad. Yeah. It's kind of crazy thing. It's like looking back at like NWA and being like, all these guys knew each other before <laughs> they were famous and they were just hanging around. Like yeah. it was an all star cast. And then when you go into the hills, you look back at like Heidi and Spencer and Audrina and Whitney and Brody. Yeah. I mean, this is like Hall of Fame. Like reality TV casting. Thank and, you. It is. It was. Very rarely, like, will this ever be duplicated again, right? Yeah. yeah. And when you moved into the hills, was the thought now, okay, we're going to take what we did at Laguna Beach and we're going to turn the volume up like 20% in terms of the scripted producing nature of it? Or did it get more and more scripted over time? You know, it's funny. It really didn't. I think people, I think people thought it did because we took the fish out of water now and put them like in a big shiny city with like nightclubs and bars and restaurants and like a lot of more situations that might have seemed artificial but it really was it was real i mean lauren really did move in there with heidi you know and like heidi really did meet spencer in real life and then lauren really didn't get along with spencer you know and spencer really did you know what, talk what, shit about Lauren, what you know, Spencer and, does, yeah. yeah. And like, and so, and, and like, you know, Audrina was really Audrina and Whitney really applied for an internship at teen Vogue. Like she, we only casted it from a pool of people that had applied to work there. So mm. Whitney, when she shot her first scene, had no idea that this was the Laguna beach spinoff. And mm. she said in interviews, she was sitting there and Lauren walked in and she was like, Oh shit. Like this is the spinoff they're doing for Laguna beach. So it, it was all real. And I think that's the key to the success of it is like, you know, I, so many people try to make these type of shows, but you, it really doesn't need to be based in reality, you know? And, and, um, again, obviously like, yeah, we'll stay on a shot a lot longer. If someone gets in their car and they're sitting there cause they're depressed and sad, we'll linger on that shot for a long time. And I think all of that is what leads people to think that it's scripted or that this is bullshit or it's fake. And it's well, like really not happening, but it is, we made it look, we just made it look very, of course, the look of the show probably informed how people viewed it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But the finale, Mm-hmm. We have to talk about this finale choice, yeah. that, that final scene. I really yeah. want to know what the behind-the-scenes conversation was with everybody involved. As you are doing the series finale, mm-hmm. and it's the final scene, and I had to go back and remind myself, right? Because I just remember – I remember they break they break uh, the fourth wall, and they like yeah. it's like they're on a studio lot. And I didn't remember that it was actually Kristen and Brody in that final scene. Yep. Like You would think that Lauren would be in that final scene, right? Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't. It was Kristen and Brody's storyline at the very end, and Kristen drives off, and 
you can go Google it and YouTube it, people. But basically, they take the backdrop from behind Brody and realize, oh, he's not standing in front of the Hollywood Hills. He's on a studio lot, and yeah. you show cameramen and a, and a buzzing a buzzing studio set. What was the conversation with you guys as you guys hatched that for the final scene? Was that like an F you to all the haters out there who had said it was scripted all along? What were you guys trying to say with that ending? You know, it was it was it was something I pitched MTV. It, you know, I had thought of it because you know, I, I kept thinking like, all right, how can we do this? How can we do something people are gonna talk about and think about? And I and I remember the apprentice did such a great job with their finale. And I remember I watched like the very early seasons of the apprentice and they'd all be sitting in a boardroom and then like the boardroom broke apart and there was like a studio audience there. That's right. And so the whole time you're like, wait, was the whole studio audience there the whole time? And survivor survivor would do that too. With that final, um, that final ceremony, they would make it look like they're still on the Island, but then they would, they would pan back and it would be a studio. Yeah. So it was like, it was like definitely like it had kind of similar. Yeah. Similarly been done before something like it. But we were like, all right, how can we do it with our show? And like really turn the people on their, on on their ear. And I think that that was, I remember that street on Beachwood Canyon that you could just see the Hollywood sign perfectly up the top of that hill. And I thought, let's just go shoot it, take a shot of it, have it blown up. And then we'll do half the scene on that street, which we did. And then Mm. the second half of it, we shot over on the Paramount lot. So it was like, it was a good, it was a good like mind fuck to people. Right? It was incredible. They had no idea. It was incredible, and, and it was I, just a nod to like people calling it fake the whole time. And it was like obviously it wasn't fake. Obviously we didn't right. shoot the whole thing on the Paramount lot. I don't think anybody was like, "Aha, right. I knew it, I knew it all along. This was fake." But I think it was like kind of just showing like how absurd it was calling the whole thing fake when there is no way we could have done that. You know, it was like right. to me that that was what it stood for. But. Well, I um I I so I'm doing my like you know research last night prepping for this conversation. And I see a link to alternate ending mm-hmm. for series finale. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's, see, you're looking over at, at your compadre over here. That, Cause I did my research yes. and it's, it's Brody comes back to his apartment after yeah. the goodbye yeah. to Kristen. And there's Lauren, Lauren Conrad sitting on the couch. Yeah. Like, Hey, how'd it go? And he's like, Oh, you know, it was tough. You know, this is smoldering Brody. Way I'm saying goodbye to him. He's because where were you? And it's he hard goes, to say goodbye. goodbye to a friend. Yeah. So yeah. Right. And Lauren's just sitting there on the couch, like, giving this million dollar smile to and him. she's the one that said it's hard to say goodbye she goes sometimes it's really hard to say goodbye okay and they looked at each other and then he goes where have you been and he's like where have you been and she just had this big laugh on her face and like we went out so that was the that was the alt ending that was the alt ending that mtv didn't air yeah we we you know i think we had filmed the one with Kristen. we were totally happy with it and it was really cute i think i i was feeling in my heart of hearts that i really wanted to see lauren in, in the last very very last scene so mm-hmm. we convinced mtv to like move forward and 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 get her in there and shoot that little thing one afternoon. I think combining the two was very difficult because we had kind of had the, the, the screen go away and we did yeah, the Paramount no. lot. It would suck so all the air of, out of it. It was kind yeah. of hard to have him now go back to his apartment and like, you're like, well, wait, is this still fake? Is it not right. fake? So you almost needed one or the other. And I think it was just a little too confusing having both. Right. Um, but I loved that alt ending. And I think the one that you see online isn't even the, we had delivered a cut and I mean, a colored and mixed version of it. And that one that's online is like a rough cut that somebody found somewhere in mm. the, at MTV. So it wasn't even like the final, final one. But I loved her smile at the end. It was a. Would you have ever thought in 2019 that Kristen Cavallari would be the most relevant member of this cast on a pop culture level? Um, I think it was. 
I think it was anybody's game to win. I mean, I think it was yeah. her or Lauren were going to probably get it. You know, it's like, I think Lauren's very relevant still, too. You know, I think she's done an incredible job of keeping her brand going. And, and, uh, and she's made and a she's conscious super decision. super successful. Yeah, she's made a conscious decision to focus on the business and not yeah. being on screen. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's, I think that's, I, I think it's smart of Lauren. I think that she told her story. She was very gracious to let us follow her for all those years. I mean, she put it all out there. I mean, through, through scandals and, and rumors and, you know, there was a lot of times where she didn't want to do it, you know, and there's a lot of times where she really hated Heidi. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the people that do think it was fake, is it's, it's a shame because she she really went through a lot of rough times. And mm-hmm. I, that's how I pitched the show to her parents when I mm-hmm. came up with it. I said, you know, your daughter's going to move up to L.A. She's going to fall down a lot and she's going to get up a lot. You know, and I was like, I just want to be there and follow it and to, and make a show out of it. And and I think that's exactly what happened to her, you know, and I think that she came out of it really well. And, and, and you know, Kristen... Yeah, you know, she's Kristen's a great personality. So people are always going to love her, and um, I'm not surprised at her success at all. Little known, little known fact: cameo in an episode of The Hills, Kim Kardashian. Yes. What was this? I just saw this online. I jumped last night. out of the. We were in the other room watching the monitors, Video Village, and I saw her on the monitor, and I jumped out because I was like, "Who is that girl in this party?" And they were like, "That's Brody's sister." Oh right. And I was like, "Are you?" F- effing kidding me he's got a sister and that looks like that and so i jumped literally out of video village chased her out of the apartment and into the hallway and asked her if she wanted to be on the show like i was like would you come be on the show and she said we just signed a deal with e my family <laughs> with ryan seacrest and i was like bastard got her already so six, I was, it was close six seasons of the hills obviously um you had the city as well in there the question i want to ask is at that time this is mid-2000s yeah, this is mid two thousands, right? No, this is late two yeah. thousands, because uh, Laguna Beach is oh four, so the host probably comes out around oh seven oh eight, probably. Yeah, you did three seasons of Laguna Beach, right? So it's probably around there. Yeah, I only did two seasons of Laguna. They went okay. to the third one after we left to go do the hills. Got it. With okay, like a so, whole new cast. So, so that was um, so oh six is probably around the time the hills premiered. I'm guessing somewhere around there. Yeah, give or take. So to break it down for people that don't know this, at this time mm-hmm. when the hills is is running hot. This is a time where another show that's based in L.A. are basically determining all the hot restaurants, clubs, and bars. The Hills runs parallel to the Entourage run as well, right? And if you saw a restaurant, bar, or club on either the Hills or Entourage, that was now the hottest bar or club (laughs) for that next six-month span in Los Angeles. And you're this, like, young hotshot guy at MTV who created these shows – Single Adam isn't just like having so much fun at this point. You know, Jimmy, I wish I, I, I mean, I had, I had some fun. I'm not going to lie, but I think that you, I mean, at that point we were doing, you know, at that point we were shooting the Hills. We were also doing the city in New York city. So we had the Whitney right. spinoff going as well at one point. So we had, yeah, we were living in edit bays and living in the field. It was like, it was more work than I had ever imagined at that point. I'm glad I was at the age that I was at the time because I'm, <laughs> I'm also a very hands-on person. So I like to be on every set and I like to be at every shoot and I like to be in every edit bay and every color session and every mix. So, it, you know, scheduling, my poor assistant would just follow me around with like a salad or a sandwich all day long trying to get me to eat. You're a good man. <laughs> so in o, in 08-ish, that's when you launched Done and Done, right? Yeah, when I left MTV to do The Hills. I, you know, I was an exec on Laguna Beach, and when I, I, I told them I'd like to leave and go start my own company and go run The Hills. Got so it. Was the, uh, that's when I bounced. So when, you, so when the dust settles and The Hills is, is, is done and the city's done mm-hmm. and you are now running Done and Done, your, mm-hmm. your company, life as a producer, now in L.A., right? You were based in L.A., yep. right? Yeah. Now in L.A. and you are post those iconic shows now off the air. I mean talk about how different 
it was from when you first launched Done and Done to how it is now when yep. you take out projects. Because I always say, I mean, the area you have specialized in, to me, is the hardest genre of unscripted to be successful in because it's all about finding these personalities and where do you find these personalities and how do you find a cast with the years and years and years of drama that's going to, you know, eventually spill out into your show. Right. Like I use Vanderpump rules as an example of that. Right. Yeah. It's the hardest genre to capture. A format is different. You can come up with a great idea, right. Put together a great tape and it's all within your control. And docuseries are are not that way. It's a a fishing expedition. Right. So for you, when you started your company, Talk to me about the transition you had to make from being in-house at a network mm-hmm. to showrunner to now running your own shop, selling and developing shows on the outside for places other than MTV. How was that transition for you? It was, it was actually, it was, it was a lot of fun. I have to say like, it was not, I mean, I took a little bit of a break of course. Um, cause it was, it was just a merry, like we were just yeah. on a roller coaster for so many years. So I took a little bit of time off, but I think when I, once I got back into it again, I started like just looking into worlds I was interested in and, you know, I kind of wanted to do. You know, I feel like I had done, like, the reality 90210. I kind of feel like I did a reality Melrose Place. So I was kind of going to look to do, like, the next, like, what's the reality dynasty or the reality, like, Knott's Landing of back in the day. And so I did a lot of snooping around with that world um, and did a couple pilots that, that sold, that were in development forever, and that, you know, we're just trying to figure out how they worked and if people were going to be comfortable with it. And it was like a little bit of an older group of people that we were following. Um, and then I started, yeah, I was just, I was just putting together worlds and pilots that I was very interested in. I was turning down a lot of stuff because mm. I was being pitched a lot of, you know, nail salon wars or, you know, whatever car dealership, you know, shows about car dealerships and it's just stuff I wasn't interested in. And like, it wasn't just in my wheelhouse. Mm. So I didn't want to just take any job. Of course, my agent was, you know, telling me, yes, take all these jobs. But at the time, I just didn't want to go do just anything. I wanted to go do something else that was special. And, and so it was nice because I got teamed up. I met with Lionsgate, um, had lunch with them one day, and they were saying they were huge fans. And so they'd offered me an overall deal, which was super great. I got a development exec out of it and an assistant and an office. How long ago was that? Um, that was about... I'd say it was about four years ago now. Okay. Um, and then you started a hot streak coming out of there, Music City, right, yes, at yeah. CMT, which has now gone two seasons for you. Yes, and that was first was, one out of the gate. First one out of the gate. And is this yeah. was this one of those worlds that you said you were fascinated by that you wanted to go tackle? I was. And, again, it was coming off of doing a reality version of the scripted show Nashville was the mm-hmm. pitch. So, it's again, it's taking a show that was very popular for the ABC at the time. And then it was sold to CMT, but I, you know, I loved that show. I thought it was very clever and a world that nobody's kind of seen before. And so I thought a reality version of that would be would be so much fun to make. And so, you know, I think we found again lightning in a bottle with that cast. I love them all. Um, Talk to me about the casting for that. What, ca- was it like an open call thing? So much fun. How did you go about finding these characters? Because you, you have a town, you have my, a whole town, you have a whole industry. So yeah. how did you get get to finding these six, seven, eight people that you want to incorporate? In you the know, show? we hired a casting director. This you did, girl, yeah. This, this woman, Kristen Webley, was who was great, and Kristen Webley, <laughs> yeah, she's over at what Fifty One Minds now, yes. or something. Like that? Yeah, yeah, she has a job at Fifty One Minds now. So we we loved her, and um, we Skylar Wakel, who's here with me now, is my development executive. We flew down to Nashville and. <laughs> set up offices at CMT and the people just started coming in one at a time. We sat there for about four days and, and we just knew as soon as they walked in, who was going to be the right, who was going to be on the show and who wasn't. Did you already have it set up at CMT to do the casting or was it just you? We had already sold the show to CMT. You had based, so, based on the idea, like yeah, give us casting money. Based on the idea. Got and it. then they were like, okay, great. Go find your cast. So right. yeah, we infiltrated their offices down there and, and 
Yeah. Is it Dinsmore at the time? Or who was there at the yeah. time when you sold this? Yep. Jason Dinsmore. Yeah, okay. Jason Dinsmore, who left shortly after it was right. picked up. But he was there, Thank God, and I'm very thankful to him for Great guy. championing it and, and picking it up. And then Morgan Seltzer was yep. there, who, who I originally pitched the show to. Um, and and everybody just came piling in. And we knew as soon as we met Carrie and Rachel, um, Carrie Degman, who I had talked to once about being on another pilot I was doing for Bravo at some point. But we had met with him there. We met his wife. We loved them. They had their little baby. The built-in story of him being a singer, her being dragged there unwillingly to Nashville, and the tension that was going to cause. So we knew that, that they were on board. And then we kind of just met with all their friends and, like, how can we connect these people? You know, that's how we, we started. We met J-Mac, who was, who was incredible. She was a 30-year-old virgin who was trying to find love. And, and all of her songs were about the struggles she was going through mm-hmm. trying to find love. And How, um, much did, how many pre-existing relationships did, were there among this group? They all knew each other. I they think the only people that didn't. It's all um, scenes, so they all kind of knew each other in some they way. They all knew of some each other. better than others. And, yeah. yeah, and they all like they were different. Like there's like modeling agencies down there, so they'd all done like a little bit of modeling, and I think they met each other through that. And like mm. you know, so they all kind of knew each other. And it was it's it's a small city, as you know, but that show was um that show was one of the first ones out of the gate that we had sold, which was awesome, and we had so much fun making it. And then then selling Sunset yeah. was the next one we saw. Right. You know, I saw an ad in a magazine with the Oppenheim brothers and their and their cat and their. Is that what it was? Yeah, I saw an ad in the Hollywood Hollywood Reporter. That was. That's uh, what it was. You saw an ad with like a, a sexy looking group of, I, of real estate agents. I ripped it out and I put it on Skyler's desk and I was like, "This this is a TV show." And uh, yeah, he got us a meeting two weeks later. We were in their offices. There's been some some articles out there. A lot of great coverage on Selling Sunset. I mean, it, it's really it's really broken through the clutter. You know, with yeah. Netflix, right? Thank it's really yeah, been a God. hit. Yep. And it's one of their first docu series, right? Yeah, one of them. Yes, I yeah. think they had like one or two. That, that yeah. come up before us, but yeah, pretty much this is their first docu-series. first wave of like docu series. Yeah. And uh, I saw one article that said that Christine Quinn might be like one of the best villains uh, <laughs> in like in like reality TV. I think she'd agree with you, right? <laughs> yeah, she would. She would agree with you on that. This is this is this is what we talk about when we talk about lightning in a bottle cast. Yeah. They were really employees there. Exactly. They really do look that way. Yeah. They really were coworkers. It's super competitive. And the two twin brothers that own it, yeah. too. I mean, yeah, you right. got two identical twin brothers that are, you know, that are, that are just bulldogs, you know, and they're very successful what they do. I mean, they're, they're, they le- legitimately are selling these, like, multi-million dollar homes. I mean, just since we've been down, they sold a $23 million house the other day. Like, $23 million. You know, commission on that, it's a lot of money. It's pretty good. You know? It's pretty good so, at the office. Yeah, yeah, this is like – these are, like, high stakes, you know? So, like, when you're adding, like, high stakes to – you know, very successful people, and they, you know, they, and they're all at different phases of their lives, which is incredible. Some of them are single. Some of them want to try and have a baby. One's done with long distance relationships. One's, you know, husband lives in Miami, so she's mm-hmm. flying back and forth. And you have like a Christine who, you know, it, and it was great that we met Chriselle, who was genius. Jason and Brett had met her at a party once, and they said we should reach out to her. Mm-hmm. She wasn't with the agency when we started, but the idea was like, let's bring somebody new in so the audience at home could come into this world along with the new agent and that's when Chriselle joined the agency there and it was and that kind of outside like, that outside perspective that that newbie into any cast or any story whether it's scripted or reality yeah. is always helpful to be the eyes of the audience yeah, right you need that so yeah. that they they're kind of like the audience you know they're meeting right. all these people for the first time as well and i think that she and she's such a sweetheart and she she's a realtor i mean she has a real estate license she does acting as well i think she's on like uh, what is it? Days of Our Lives. Hmm. Um, once in a while, she right. did bit parts on that. But she, you know, she she was she was game to do it, which was great, and hmm. and uh, and we loved her, and and it was such a fun ride. We got to, you know, I thought I thought I I kind of knew in my heart of hearts that the show would kind of work on so many levels because you have 
what they call the real estate porn, you know, of seeing these gorgeous, insane homes. And then you have this insanely attractive cast of, of very strong, powerful women trying to make it in their business because they don't get paid. They get paid if they sell a house. So they have to sell these homes, you know, to make a living and to carry these handbags and to drive these cars, you know. So so there's stakes there. And and I think it was – and I know Netflix's audience is international as well as, mm-hmm. as, as national. So I know that that would sell very well over – in Europe, they're kind of. I mean, I think everybody loves Hollywood and right. Los Angeles. So it was insane. We we're so we we're so lucky and glad that they did. It was you know, Brandon Reig over there and yep. um, Jen Levy. You know, Derek Wan's our exec on it. But it was it was. Uh, I, I'm so thankful for those guys. They took a chance because it was it was you know, you could see it in their eyes. They're like, is our audience going to buy this? And I and I, they, they they've got some. You know, they have a, a big filter that they have to kind of fill. I mean, they, they, it's it, that has to appeal to. Oh, it's a fire! 190 I mean, million subscribers, you know? It's, it's crazy. And, and all genres, I mean, that's the thing. Like, yeah. Netflix is something for everybody. Yeah. What other network would you find nailed it, yeah. you know, and selling Sunset? And yeah. then, like, serial killer documentaries and, and things yeah. of that nature. You know, Ted Bundy, you know, projects and things like that. <laughs> right, right. It's incredible. Um, it's a great place to be. How much did you actually know about real estate headed into this project? You know, I, I always said I was a real estate junkie. Like, I really, really am. I go to open houses every weekend. I own my own home, but I'm still, I'll still go look all the time. Dude, I'm kind I of do, obsessed. I do the same thing. Yeah, I think I, most people are really into real estate. I go with my kids. Yeah. So I've got two little girls at home. I've got a four-and-a-half-year-old awesome. and a two-year-old. And uh, I got a little awe awesome. over here. Congrats, and man. and me and my wife, just because it's a great way to kill two hours on a weekend when you oh, just yeah. need to get out of the, out of the house. Yeah. They love it. My oldest daughter will walk into every open house. She will find the realtor, you know, who greets us basically at the door, and she just loves to introduce the whole family. She's like, "This is my dad, Jimmy." Oh. This, and she just has like a script. She just does oh, the same cute. routine, and then she likes to walk around the houses pretending we're going to buy it, and and she likes to <laughs> choose which bedroom will be hers. Oh, that's awesome! And all she cares about are does the house have stairs and is there a pool? That's all she cares oh, about. That's so funny. Does, and then like, but now it's like got to the point where like my four and a half year old's palate is like. Kind of being refined. Like they, and, they turn around in the driveway. They're like, I'm not even bothering going in this one. She'll walk in and she'll be like, oh, this isn't a good looking house. Or she'll be like, it's smelly in here. And, I, and like oh, in, front no. of, in front of the realtor, I'm like, honey, honey, this is not oh, our Jesus. house. We, we, we got, be kind, be kind. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, get your four-year-old an internship. Oh, believe me. I hope, I hope my kids want to be real estate agents and not TV producers. Believe me. Believe me. I, I, yeah. I, I, did, um, I did an episode um, with Fenton Bailey. You know, mm-hmm. World of Wonder, and yeah. they, they do all the million dollar listings. And I'd had this realization as I was prepping for that sit down that real estate agents basically, um, you know, their their job is it's kind of like being a producer, mm-hmm. but after you sell the show, you never need to make it. And yeah. that's what a real estate agent does. Yeah. So it's just about show the home. Sell it, yeah, and then nothing after that, right? Right, yeah. It's a good gig. Like I'm really thinking, like we might be in the wrong business. No, I know, and they make a lot of money. It's crazy. It's, it really is. I mean, but I mean, they work their asses off, and I think you have people that flake, and it's like it's, you know, it's 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 difficult. I mean, it's, I think this, there, there's a lot of parallels between what we do and what they do. It's like, yeah. it is really funny because they, they they do stage a home. Right. You know, they're kind of like putting on a show to get this home sold, and they work their asses off. And at the end of the day, you don't know if it's going to sell or not. You know, so it's just like us going out and selling shows. So it's also kind of like. Like the house kind of should sell itself. Yep. You 
know what I mean? Like, there's only so much of a sale pitch you can give as a realtor to make yeah. me want to buy something. And it's the same with the show idea. It's the same with the show idea. Like, show if the tape is good, good, they're buying it for the tape. There's only so much you can say. Like, right, right. the characters are either good or they're not. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, thanks for doing this, man. No, no worries. Man. It was so great being here. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Was this okay? Did I, did I get through everything? Is there anything I missed? This is great. No, I don't think you missed anything. You're, You're the man. Thanks for doing this, Adam. All right, man. Thank you so much for having me.